Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. My shoes stink. Okay. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. But Van, why? You're, you're all the way up here. Your feet are down there. What made you? Could you smell your, could you smell your shoes I, I, from I'll there? I'll be honest with you. I, I think that I just Put it caught down. a whiff of my shoe from it being on my foot down on the ground. I'm not going to lie. I don't know what's going on. Okay, well, now I these feel got, like it's a fetish because you keep smelling no, no. it and these it's weird. Got, but these got wet, like, during oh, the rain. Oh, of course they smell. But these got wet during the Stop. rain. Super drenched. That, that's that's bad. Hold on, let me let these air Wait, wait, why did they get wet? Were you walking in the rain? Yes. I, so what I did was, uh, I, I, what do you mean? I got to walk the dog. Um, like it, it, So I'm not like you with- My dogs million, don't go outside in the rain. Well, I had to walk the dog and the shoes got long. I'm telling you, drenched, wet. Stop. Okay. He smelled the shoe like five times at this point. I think he's starting to like it. It's not like it. It's just that I think they like. I have really expensive insoles in these shoes. I paid 300 bucks for the insoles. Okay. Have you and Brian had this conversation yet? Because no, he's why? big about the insoles too. Oh, the he insoles. takes them out and the, puts them in every shoe. Every and, shoe, and the I insole follows the shoe. Yeah. Why? And I make fun of him because I'm like, what is this? I don't understand why this is so necessary. But now he has found his twin flame when it comes to what the, the insoles. So here's the, thing, here's, the thing, here's the thing about you that when you talk about support, right? So niggas was born in 1980, 1981. Brian was born in the 80, 80, 81. Is it 80? 81? He was an 80. He's 80. And so niggas was born in 1980. Nigga need insoles. Okay. All you, <laughs> like, see you like That's y'all don't need y'all, okay. y'all don't need you haven't hit the insole age yet. But how about how about this? How about you let me and Brian take care of our backs, take care of our knees, and get the insoles. You know what I mean? I got my gym clothes on right now. I'm going to the gym right after this, even though They're my good. knee hurts. Even though my knee hurts, and it's like, why would you give that man? I went to the insole place. Shout out to the people over at Runner's World or whatever the fuck it's called. In Brentwood, they runners first. What's the name of the place? It's like some kind of place in Brentwood. Don't know. That I went and I got the insoles made, and it was I. I don't know if I brought this up. It was another time that somebody remarked on my weight, and I was there was getting the insoles made. Guy walked by, I said, "Oh, I know you." I say, "Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, you probably trying to come back down because you didn't. Yeah, man, you didn't. Nigga, give me my motherfucking insoles." So I can get the fuck out of the store. But yeah, so I got the insoles. Brian got the insoles. And we are. I can't uh, believe people talk to you. I, I guess it's just people don't know what to say. Like yeah. they're excited that they see you and then they feel like they got to say something and then they just, it just comes out like word vomit. I just can't believe people just talk so freely like that in front of you. Well, maybe, I, guess, maybe you know, I get a lot of, I get a lot of, wow. You look so much better in person. Damn. No, I cannot tell you. I just went to a luncheon and somebody said that. I I get you fat bitch and you get 
You're so much more radiant when I see you. No, it's almost as if, wow, you look terrible on TV. Well, I'm shocked at how you look in person. It's a compliment, but it's not a compliment. You know what I'm saying? Van, get him out the room because I can't have him make a face the whole podcast. It's not great. Look, Rachel, I get it. It is, it is, by the way, it is fucked up when people say that. It is very upsetting when they say that, especially to Rachel, I get very upset. Rachel, how was your event last night? It was so much fun. By Tracial. Yes, Tracy Thomas, uh, shout out to the Stacks podcast, did her event. This is the third one. It's called One for the Books. It's out in Pasadena. I had so much fun on stage. I knew I was going to have a good time with Tracy, but also Chelsea Devontes joined us on stage. She's a writer, she's a comedian. she has her own podcast about celebrity memoirs that she's doing like from the beginning to now. And um, it was just great conversation. We played games. The audience was really interactive. Tracy's, I for- always forget she's a theater kid, but you see it. Like she's such a star. She's so great on she's stage. Yeah. And so she's got the next one coming out in May. You guys should check that out if you're in the LA area. And then I think another one in July. And I can't remember when the last one is. But I was like, I'm going to go back in May. I had too much fun there. You know, it was fun. It was really good. Last night, uh, we went to the premiere, not the premiere screen of our friend Boaz's movie. Uh, Boaz Jaquin, who's a great filmmaker. He had his movie come out. It was very moving. What's it called? It's called once again for the first time. Mm. It's a really good movie. <sighs> Emotional, raw. It's like one giant allegory. Uh, it uses poetry, dance, mm. all of these things to tell the story. You know, Boaz has done a lot of great stuff. He directed Remember the Titans. Uh, Fresh, one of my favorite movies. So shout out to Boaz. He was a writer on The Harder They Fall. Went saw his movie last night. Then I, I came back home and I made Peter Pockets. I'm not uh, familiar with a pita pocket. You're not familiar with a pita pocket? Mm-mm. Huh. Well, you take ground turkey. You put it in the middle of the pita. Yeah. A little bit of cheese, heat it up. And you eat yourself a pita pocket. <laughs> I love it. I get so excited about a pita pocket. There are certain little foods that, that get to me. You know, a pita pocket mm-hmm. is one of them. So I came home. I ate a pita pocket. Both okay. was there. It was like a family night. I watch Madden videos on YouTube. Madden. What? The game? Yeah, the video game. John Madden football. Well, what do you mean Madden you watch football. videos? Like you watch the, other people play Madden? Yeah. So there's a guy named T.D. Barrett. Uh, and he's a Madden YouTuber. He plays against people. Sometimes he plays against pros. Like he'll play against like uh, Tyreek Hill or somebody like that. And the video will be like, I played against Tyreek Hill and he was amazing. And then you click on the video and you watch it. The videos are very entertaining. And he starts the videos off like, ba-bam! It's me, T.D. Barrett. Uh, uh, today, boom! So excited. We're going to play uh, Tyreek Hill and Madden. I need you guys to kill the like button. And before we get into it, I have a question. Uh, if you guys had one meal to eat uh, for the rest of your life, what would you choose? Burgers or pizza? Answer that question. In the comment section, I'm so excited about playing this game today. Terry Hill, obviously you guys know uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs. Now he plays for the Miami Dolphins. He has a sick gun bunch stack offense. 
Um, he's one of the best players in the NFL. So look, uh, kill the like button. We get into the game right now. And that's how he starts the videos when he's playing somebody, you know? And you watch, and it's fun to watch other people play the game. I don't know why. I don't know why it's fun to watch other people play Madden. I don't either. It is. You're not I alone. I, I know it's a thing. And there's another time where he plays this guy named E-String. Shout out to E-String from down in Mississippi. I tell you right now, you think you wouldn't like this. If I put on a... Rachel, if I put on a video of T.D. Barrett playing E-String in Madden 23, there is no way you would not be entertained. I promise. I, I bet you Try I me. bet you, you, it's funny. Like, E String is from Mississippi and he's funny. And, like, he, fucking uh, Bear will be coming with a blitz and he'll say something like, You know how much I care about your blitz? And he goes, How much you care about my blitz? He goes, I care about your blitz as much as a fish care about a raincoat. And TD Barrett's Canadian, so he doesn't <laughs> understand. He goes, He's like, Country references. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't understand. He's like, A fish? And a raincoat, what does that mean? Like a fish cares about a raincoat. And it's just, it's just funny. It's funny. You know what? I love it. I said, I, I said, try me. I said I would. So you come over to the house. Watch. And yeah. we'll watch, we'll watch TD Bear videos. What are you doing this weekend? Uh, I can't say. The fuck? <laughs> what am I doing? You know, well, no, it's, it's, because I'm, I, it's a surprise. And I don't want to say just in case the person's listening. They're not. They're not I'm listening, not, man. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm doing something fun. So, I had an I interesting... I said you on Monday. Go ahead. I had, I'm sorry. I had an interesting experience yesterday. A thought warrior uh, wrote me a very long message about my uh, takes and my talk re- regarding Black women. And the message was so uh, detailed that I gave this lady my phone number. Here you go. <laughs> Is she a black woman? She's a black woman. Okay. We talked. We talked. And it was a very amazing conversation. Can't say that there was lockstep agreement about everything because there probably there, you know, there was never going to be. But what I will say is that it was enlightening to to hear her perspective and hear uh, some of the issues that she has with 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 me, you know. Is it one particular thing that you said on the podcast, or is it a, a culmination? I'm pretty much a piece of shit, you know. There's a couple of other <laughs> things. It's a, it's it's a couple of different things. So, uh, so you know, but it was it was really good conversation in, in a real way, like seriously. And so, you know, I appreciate it. I don't, I don't, you know, I didn't tell her I was going to shout her out. So I don't want to uh, dox her or give her information out. Uh, so, you know, but I, it's, it's an interesting convo. Yeah, interesting convo and something and food for thought. Food for thought. You always want to be the best version of yourself. Food for thought. Food for thought. Um, um, well, good. I, yeah, I, I think. I think I might invite her on the podcast to have the conversation about how, before we do this, the summit of the sexes about how Van 
talks about black women's subjects on the podcast. The three of us could talk about it together, you know? And and I think that would be interesting for the audience, don't you think? Thrilled. What's wrong, Rachel? What like you you're you're sitting there like you're like you're in the catbird seat, like you're, you're like the can, you're like you're not the catbird seat. You're like the canary, like the what what is it? Well, how do you say it? I'm trying to be like Eastern. You're like the cat that ate the canary right now. You got something <laughs> to say, Rachel? No, I don't. Well, I think I'm shocked you gave your phone number, but I'm glad at the end of the day uh, you had a you had a very enlightening conversation. Yeah, it it makes me excited about the summit. Summit of the sexes. For me to sit. You know, I don't even know if I want to moderate. I just want to sit amongst the women. Sit amongst the women. I can't wait. I can't wait for the <laughs> summit of the sexes. When, do, when should we do it? John, Donnie, jump on, by the way. Donnie, by the way, if you have anything to say or anything to add, please do it in a respectful manner on this <laughs> podcast as it relates to, to last time. Donnie, when do you think we should do the summit <laughs> of the sexes? Like, when do you think we should do it? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like we definitely need some lead up time to like officially plan it out and get it right yeah. where it needs to be. Um, but this could be a late spring thing, like pre summer. Um, when May? is the summer starting? Yeah, do May, May. Uh, it would Not have to be mid May, late May, late May. Late, late May is hard because Spotify is doing this uh Sweden trip. That's like the last week of May, so it would you have going to be to like, Sweden. I think I am going to Sweden, Stockholm. Are you going to Sweden, Ashley? I'm not alone. Other people are going. Yeah, I'm going in August, though. Oh, I see. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going oh, wow. to that shit. Uh, when, when, um, <laughs> I wasn't invited. Yeah. Well, number one, we're not invited. Oh. But, and, that's, and that's why we're not going. Oh. Okay. So, <laughs> niggas, niggas, niggas not going out to that tag shit. I wouldn't go anyway. Fuck Let's that do shit. June. Let's do June. Let's do June Let's for do the summer of the sexes. Let's do June. Let's tentatively say June. We'll wrap Chelsea into this and and like officially plan it. But uh, for now, let's say June. Yeah, say June. because we we got to get out here and meet these thought warriors. Since I've been doing the book, when I was in New York, had whole audience was thought warriors. Last mm -hmm. night, thought warriors, and people are excited yeah. to come up and talk and say that they're a thought warrior and talk about the podcast. We got to get out here to these cities. We got to have another live audience um, event. So let's do it. With June. June! All right. Uh, we're going to take a break on the other side of this big deal of the day, which is TikTok's fight against the U.S. government. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life with premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Okay, uh, are you familiar with TikTok, uh, Rachel? You use it? Right now, I'm trying to familiarize myself with what you just put in the group chat. So oh, I'm uh, distracted. I'm distracted. Yeah, we'll get to that after. Okay. Donnie put that in the rundown. We'll um, but you what was your TikTok? question? Do you use TikTok, Rach? I am on TikTok. I am. Well, guess what? You're a fucking spy. How does that, how does that feel? <laughs> I'm like, not a spy. I might get, be being spied on, but I am not a spy. All of you guys who are TikToking it up, you're working for the Chinese. Is That's what people okay. are saying now. I hate to tell you this, but you're all over TikTok. Why? I post our videos. 
Oh my God. <laughs> and they do so well. Yeah, that's not. They do good. so well. It's not like I can tag you, but Higher Learning doesn't have a TikTok presence. So I post some of our videos. Okay, so listen. <laughs> so listen, like seriously, there's a conversation about TikTok and the conversation is, uh, is TikTok in and of itself doing two different things? And this is the conversation as I understand it. Number one is the TikTok algorithm encouraging American youth to continuously dip into some of the more uh, vapid, insipid, unproductive areas of youth culture. That's number one. There are people that argue that the algorithm here in America re- re- rewards a specific type of content, whereas the algorithm in other places, uh, specifically China and TikTok's Chinese uh, uh, counterpart in, in China, uh, rewards ingenuity and all of those things. So there's a, there's a conversation about um, uh, the actual algorithm in TikTok and whether or not there's some sort of conspiracy to corrupt the youth of America, number one. Uh, number two, there's just data concerns about uh, a company uh, rooted in China that is able to access the data of this many Americans um, and what the Chinese might do with that and about um, some of the regulations in China uh, that deem it necessary to share information with the Chinese government. The First of all, before we get into this, how familiar are you, are, are, are familiar are you with this discourse right now? Familiar enough. I mean, was I watching the hearings today? No, but yeah. I'm familiar enough. I mean, I was at the rundown. So this has come up in a couple of different really public uh, uh, scenarios. One was a video that was uh, posted or made by a creator that referenced uh, the ongoing human rights debacle involving the Uyghurs, a group of uh, Chinese Muslims in China, um, and their genocide and their treatment at the hands of the Chinese government. And the claim that if you post something like that on TikTok, that the video is either uh, deleted or the algorithm shoots it so far down that people will not talk about it. And then in this way, the Chinese government is censoring different types of speech and discourse about things that they might be involved with. Also, uh, the Chinese government, which some view as one of the most significant forces, um, I'll put it like this, one of the most uh, oppressive forces when it comes to human rights. Look, I'm not sitting here on a high horse stateside um, in any way uh, commenting on what another government or another country does. What I'm saying is that we all know that there are it, ongoing human rights violations that that are happening in China, and that the Chinese have no incentive, or it seems like um, plan to address these um, these 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 violations or or these situations uh, in a way that in any way satisfies the international community's uh, concerns. All right, so that's something that you know with the risk of of having a conversation that drips into that that spills over into xenophobia or anything like that that's kind of what we're talking about uh and some people would say that tiktok's far reach allows the chinese to legitimize themselves uh 
by having a, co- a company that's so big sort of being intertwined with different brands and those brands be on TikTok and Chinese and the Chinese be a part of it. And there's this whole ball of what some people over here feel like is uh, impropriety and danger surrounding how big TikTok, TikTok has become from a cultural situation, from a, a straight up data and spying privacy situation, and also from a situation uh, where people feel like it might legitimize the way the Chinese are treating their population. So there's all those things wrapped up in one. It's a very layered thing, but the the uh, the the sort of the, the, it's distilled down to whether or not TikTok is safe, yeah. safe for myriad reasons. Um, and we had hearings on this. Hearings yeah. On this more so about the privacy of it, right? Sure. And I think that seems to be everything, obviously, that you, you said is right, and you're right, it's layered, but I think the privacy issue is what, well, it is what the hearings were on, and it it, it seems to be what is politically motivating. I mean, we know that Trump's administration tried to get a TikTok ban when he was still in office in 2020, before he was out. And now we're seeing the Biden administration really tap into um a lot of the the, the rhetoric, the, the talk that's been around about TikTok and really trying to get down to the bottom of, is TikTok something that we can have in this country? And we touched on this a bit a while back on our podcast about the journalist from BuzzFeed, mm-hmm. right? Who was starting to, to write about the fact that they're using TikTok to get our information. And then her information was hacked into, I believe they got her... They got tapped, uh, tapped into her IP address. They found out where she lived. And, and so it became a thing. And even the government, the Chinese government acknowledged it, but they tried to write that off as, oh, those were just some bad actors. Those people have been let go. That was just a one-off thing. But now the gov- our government is saying, well, how is that the case? It's, if it's just a one-off, because it does mean that you do have this, this access. So is it bad actors or is it the fact that you have this algorithm or this technology that has the capability to do this? And so we know that, that TikTok's answer to this was, oh, we're going to create Project Texas, which Oracle, which is in Austin, Texas, they're transferring. That's what it's written two ways. I saw it written that all American users' information would be kept there. In, They're Americanizing in the, the data. But then right. I also saw new users. I saw the word new users. So I'm like, well, what about the people who've been on TikTok? Is it just new users or not? I don't know which way, but for the sake of this conversation, we'll just say American users. It'll all be in Texas, in the States, and they will erase all the historical data that they used to have. Do you trust that? Well, does that sound trustworthy to you? Let's hear from the CEO of El Tikiti Talk. And let's judge together whether or not we trust what he says. All right. He testified before the fucking zoo up there in Washington today. And he talked about this. Donnie, give us the sound. Now, there's still some work to do. We have legacy U.S. data sitting in our servers in Virginia and in Singapore. We're deleting those, and we expect that to be complete this year. 
When that is done, all protected U.S. data will be under the protection of U.S. law and under the control of the U.S.-led security team. This eliminates the concern that some of you have shared with me that TikTok user data can be subject to Chinese law. This goes further, by the way, than what any other company in our industry have done. We will also provide unprecedented transparency and security for the source code for the TikTok app and recommendation engine. Third-party validators like Oracle and others will review and validate our source code and algorithms. This will help ensure the integrity of the code that powers what Americans see on our app. Okay. So it seems there that he's promising two things. Number one, he's promising to address concerns about the algorithm and what it suggests. At the same time, he's uh, promising to centralize their data in Texas, or excuse me, in America, like you said, as part of Project Texas, which I guess it's Oracle is in Texas. Therefore, making sure that that data is subject to American law and not to Chinese law. Because what people say is that, hey, if you have data sitting in a spot in Singapore or in Beijing or somewhere else, the Chinese government, by law, can say, hey, we need that data at any time about any number of people and what it is that they're doing. Um, and that, of course, provides a, a, a great deal, a great deal of anxiousness for um, a lot of people in government because they wonder just how much is, will the Chinese know or can they know about American activity, uh, particularly the activity of youth if they have so much access to TikTok service. All right, back to your question. Do I trust that yeah. um, he's being on the level and forthright and that that's going to happen? The answer is I don't think it matters. Okay. And why is that? Because I don't think that people are making this decision based upon whether or not about, I don't think that these people are basing this decision, in my experience, based upon what the actual problems would be. I think people are making this decision based upon the appearance of problems. I think if it doesn't look like TikTok has, is selling uh, data or sharing data with the Chinese, I think uh, most of this will be quelled. Um, and I don't think that any of the TikTok users even care. Before we came on here, I asked some of the the kids around here, I'm at Spotify right now. Of course they don't care. They don't give a <laughs> shit. And the, the, their thing was, I my data is so many different places. You know what I mean? Like my data is so is, is around so many different spots that I'm not really concerned about what the Chinese are going to do with it. Um, I think if all this is done and they make this type of um uh, uh of effort, I think there will, will, will be will be some people that that you know, that that are satisfied by that. I think there won't be some people that are satisfied with it. Um, as far as I'm concerned, this is indicative of a much, much larger issue, which is mounting tension, tension, growing distrust, and an increasing uh, sort of animus between um, America and China that seems 
to be headed towards um, some sort of catastrophe. I mean, I 100% agree with that. I mean, you already have Biden trying to force the sale of TikTok away from China, which they're totally opposing that. You have the Chinese government basically saying that if they were forced to sell, that that would undermine the confidence of the of investors from other countries, including themselves in China, to want to invest in the United States. So they're threatening to pull out, you know, investments or whatever it may be that benefit the United States if the United States forces tries to force the sale of the app, which they really can't do because of you know the Chinese government has such. Um, broad power over private companies that I think ByteDance, which is the original owner, creator of TikTok, would have to have permission, it seems, from the uh, within the Chinese laws to be able to even make that sell. So that necessarily wouldn't happen. I, I agree with everything you're saying. I do think that the bigger issue is this continued tension between China and the United States. But I will say that, of course, I'm not shocked that the, the users of TikTok aren't concerned about their privacy, but I don't think that it's not not an issue. I mean, the fact that we can point to one specific example that we know of, of an American citizen's privacy being violated, particularly by this app, I do think that it raises some concern. And I do think that's why you're seeing this bipartisan effort uh, right now in Congress in regards to questioning TikTok. Maybe the underlying thing is that it is politically motivated and it has to do with this uh, tension between China and the United States. But I also do think that it's validated if, you know, if I had a child and they're using TikTok and their certain data is being compromised, I'm worried about them. I'm worried about me. I'm worried about how this could affect us in general. So I, I, I don't think that you can just say it's not as big of an issue. Have we, is it time for us to redefine privacy? In is light of pri- how much our privacy, our, our stuff is just out there? Is that what you're or saying? Or should I say, has privacy already been redefined to a degree that it almost has a new definition? Should we? It's not about whether or not we should redefine privacy. People know more about each other than ever before. Companies, brands, networks know more about us than ever before. But Every, is that because we're allowing them to know? We're we're saying yes. I accept these cookies. Yes, you can sell my personal information. Yes, I'm going to create a I'm login. Saying. But we're but we're we're giving that to you. That's what. As I'm, opposed- that's what Okay. Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that where does the where does the line? There seems to be. If you ask people, most people would say, "Well, the line uh, of privacy. Privacy is very simple. It's what I want somebody to know and what I don't want somebody to know. Right? That's privacy. That's very, yeah. it seems very. But as a contemporary idea, that almost doesn't make sense anymore. You know, it almost doesn't make sense. There's the data that they're collecting on us is they almost tell us what we want them to know now. Okay. 
Like you put my, my credit cards are on the internet. Like my credit cards are on the internet. Right. I'm trusting somebody. You know what I mean? Is it 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 I think the TikTok situation is is interesting in light of America's represent uh uh it's in light of America's relationship with China because you finally have at the core of it uh something that is to American lawmakers and to some of the people um at the top of the corporate food chain something inherently pernicious and distrustful. Meanwhile, we're not told to distrust Google. We're not told to distrust Facebook. We're not told to distrust Instagram. Like all of these people, all of these brands are sort of in league to try to sell us things um, and probably all kinds of other situations. But because China is something that is so big and so bad, and I'm not in any way defending China and what they do and what they have done, and they are certainly... uh, in, in, in competition with America for world dominance, it's like there's a line that's being drawn here, almost like a pelt being put uh, on the wall or a head, a trophy being put on the wall so that Americans can care about something that they stopped caring about a very long time ago. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> I yeah. don't, I'm, I'm, I know I'm listening to you and I'm like, I don't, okay. My credit card is out there too. There's certain things that I've said yes to. Me and Copper have been running that (laughs) bitch up. I mean, I've been, I mean, I've been hacked. Yeah. (laughs) A few times. Yeah. Um, So my information is out there. I'm sure there's other information out there, but there just seems to be a difference of unknowingly putting that out there versus like, I guess I'm just like struggling with this redefining privacy just because I am allowing more of my information out there. doesn't mean that I'm, I want to redefine or change what privacy means or that privacy has changed meaning just because it's more your privacy or your personal life is more accessible out there. I think you're right. I think what I'm talking about is what's practical and And you're right. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's not practical to think that way. Maybe I am being maybe I'm being You're not. You're not. You have every right to define privacy for yourself and every right to be as private as what you want to be. You're not at all. You're not. But what I'm just saying is Am I okay to be naive that I'm more private than I really am? Like, because I really I, don't know what's all out there. I watched this one video and uh, the video the video was about whether or not Google is listening to us, right? Whether or not all of these things, you know how we'll talk about something and then all of a sudden it pops up. Yeah. They're not actually listening to you insofar as they are um, uh, listening to your microphone and your phone but they are compiling such precise information on where you are, what you might be spending money on, how you're spending money, how you spent it the week before, who you might have been just texting or whatever as it relates to all of that stuff. And then they make a suggestion based on that. And the suggestion is always so 
fucking accurate that they might as well actually have access to your microphone. That's how good it is. And we've been living like that for a while. And it's interesting that the tipping point for that is a company based in a country that we don't trust. Well, apparently their algorithm is even better than that. That's what, and that's part of the thing that they want to keep private. The algorithm for TikTok is better than everything that you just described. And I mean, maybe part of the issue is we want it. <laughs> we don't well, have, I mean, look, we don't have look, that and we want it. I mean, we're chat GPT. We're having somebody come on here to talk about chat GPT. I'm doing a um, GPT. What a fast, bad mood, nigga. I'm talking bad mood. Sometimes we mix up our B's and our, T, uh, our B's and our P's. Um, so I'm um I'm doing I was doing this history channel thing, and you know, they're asking questions and something like that, and somebody needs to know something, and they just put it to chat GPT. And chat GPT doesn't give you like an answer like Google, it gives you a whole paragraph. Boom, 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 on what is going on. And the guy tells me, if you put your writing into chat GPT, you can ask it to write something for you and it'll write it just like you write it. I'm like, wow. Like, we, I mean, you, I'm, I don't want to come off like an idiot and OpenAI has made sure that you can't ask the, 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 the chat how to make plutonium or how to construct a nuclear bomb or how to make a grenade. They, they've, they've, but fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, anyway. yeah. Um, we'll go deeper into this. this we'll see. We'll times, see. Man. <laughs> like we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens with TikTok. If if here's the thing, if they ban everybody who's afraid of them banning TikTok, y'all will find something else to dance on. Y'all was dancing on Vine. <laughs> y'all dance on TikTok. It'll be something else for y'all to dance on. Okay? Yeah, but some people make a lot of money off of TikTok, and their it's whole true. income is about to stop. And you got lawmakers in, who are making these decisions who are not impacted by the loss of TikTok at all. It does nothing for them. And they old as fuck. Uh, okay. Takashi 69 got beat up. This is assault. Takashi 69 uh, got beat up at LA Fitness in Florida. Uh, Donnie, play the audio. Did you hear it? Did it I sounded, hear what? Fuck nigga, clown ass nigga, pussy. He kind of sounded. Uh-oh. They from Stop. Florida. Oh. It's kind of the same thing. Y'all thought I was okay. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, I have a question <laughs> for you, Rachel. Okay. What was your emotion when you heard that Takashi Six Nine got beat up in Florida? I felt nothing, and I and I don't say this in a way like I'm dismissing what happened to him. I, I'm not wishing harm on anyone. I'm just not well versed in the Takashi Six Nine of it all, other than he snitched. <laughs> like I'm really, I'm not familiar with his music. I know who he is. I know what he looks like. I don't have this long history of everything that he did mm-hmm. to become the most, one of the most hated people. It really seems to be. So, was I shocked when I heard this happen? No, because of the few things I know about him, I know he is extremely hated. I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner. 
because he really seems to be out here and so public with so many people who are displeased with him, hate him. Um, so when it happened, I was kind of like, I mean, again, I don't wish anything bad on you guys. I'm like, oh, I hope he's okay. But I also was like, not surprised. So apparently, uh, they caught him in the sauna. It was in Their the video- sauna? They caught this dude trying to get a soak, trying to get his trying to get his pores open in the sauna. Uh, his name is Daniel Hernandez. He was taken to the hospital, but the injuries were not life threatening. But they fucked his face up pretty good down in Miami. Uh, there are a couple of different angles of what happened. You can see it seems someone walk into the LA Fitness because they knew that Takashi Six Nine was in there. Might have been tipped off by somebody from inside of the facility. They go in there, they catch him, and then they beat him up. Interesting to me. For a lot of reasons. Number one, there's it's been a while since a shit talker has been touched. Oh. A lot of people uh, in the culture that talk a lot of shit. And they haven't really been touched. Um, I, I to that talk- level, though. What do you mean? To the Takashi Six Nine level, because doesn't he Hell talk a yeah. shit? Okay, think about it. You got Charleston White. You got a couple um, of different people that 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 haven't, and they've talked a lot of shit, and they haven't been okay. touched. Um, Sorry, I was only thinking rapper. It's actually funny. This. I was talking to academics about this, who is somebody who also talks a lot of shit. I know. I was, <laughs> I was talking to academics about this. The morning of, I think it was Wednesday morning, about the fact that, you know, nobody's getting touched. They're not touching anyone. And then that same day, Sakashi 69 got beat up. It's something interesting here. And it's from a cultural standpoint. I'll just talk about black people for a second. Let's talk about the people that I know for a second. There is both this, and Takashi 69 is not black, he's a Mexican guy. There is both this um, this uh, want to have violence as a um, mode of conflict res- resolution, to have that removed from the discourse, you know, and from our culture. And there's still also sometimes the want and almost the need to see somebody get smacked in their motherfucking face. There's this connection to and this satisfaction of watching consequences being meted out in that way that's still deeply satisfying to a lot of us. And it has to do, number one, with the way America deals with us. Because if you're black and you do something wrong, America punches the shit out of you dead in your face in a bunch of different ways. It actually punches the shit out of you, right? Be it the mm-hmm. police or or or, mm-hmm. or someone else, mm-hmm. they actually punch the shit out you. They punch the shit out you by throwing you in jail. They punch you by not you just you get punched, right? So sometimes when somebody runs a foul, especially breaking a cultural edict that we have, we want to see them get punched in the same way. We want to see consequences meted out in the same way. And like it or not, you know, Takashi Six Nine's uh, disrespectful way of navigating hip-hop and his decision to uh, snitch on the, the the rest of his gang members 
For some people, that broke a cultural code. That's not a cultural code that I necessarily uh, abide by. I'm never doing any crime. I'm not going to be in a situation where I have to tell on anybody. But the reality is it doesn't really matter to me. All of that stuff is kind of silly to me anyway. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's weird because I saw a lot of people that have nothing to do with the streets that were happy that this motherfucker got his. That, that, that were happy. And I saw a lot of other people who uh, were really appalled that they put their hands on him. For me, mm-hmm. I looked at it like, I can't lie and say there wasn't a part of me that went, huh, well, that's what you get. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like, I, I, I don't wish anything bad necessarily on him or anybody else, but there is some sort of, it, it, it's deeper. There's some kind of thing that says, you don't want somebody to be around wild and going crazy, doing all kinds of things and kicking up that much sort of negativity and dust without something happening to them. Um, but at the same time, it was interesting to see the celebration over him getting beat up. There was like a a, a, re- a very large portion of Twitter that celebrated the fact that he got his ass kicked. Do you think that'll make him stop? He's no. kind of been quiet. No, I mean, or he's been quiet. Not been paying attention. Okay. He no, I mean quiet. he's been. I mean he's been a little quiet. Yeah, of course he's been quiet. He can't really get any money over here like he used to. Uh, nobody. I mean, I think what we learned was that you're not going to be able to be a rapper in the way that he was a rapper before, if you are in a government informant and everybody knows it. Now we also know that there are many government informants in rap that. Uh, there are rumors about that we know, but kind of don't really talk about for whatever reason. They're government informants Ooh. in, I mean, they're government informants in rap. Everybody thinks they're government informants. They're government informants that are running rap labels. And then, uh, so, you know, it's all kinds of different things. Um, but, and we kind of just don't talk about it. But for whatever reason, with Takashi 69, it was so public and everybody saw it. And they talked about it, so they want to see this happen to him. I, it, it's an interesting moment because I think there are people out there that are now wondering if this is the age where the universe is going to start touching people. You know, they're people. Well, yeah, which is why I asked you, do you think he'll stop talking? Because as you pointed out, which I'm not aware of, people haven't been touched. So now, is this the message to you know, other people out there who do speak and move around in the same way that Takashi 69 does, are they on edge? Are they scared? Do they think, oh, now it's like open season where other people might feel the freedom to do it if it's going to shut this person up because I don't like the way that they keep talking or the way they keep moving around here. Do you think that's going to happen? Do you think that's what the universe is given? Um, I, I don't think he's going to stop talking because it's he's boxed himself into... Uh, uh, a space to where he can't stop talking. When you go as far as what he's gone, uh, you know, this is everybody that's there. He finds what you like and then he says, fuck it, and says, suck my dick to whatever. You can't turn back because there's nothing to pivot to. What I will say is this. I'll give, I'll give everybody uh, um, uh, uh, a counter sort of argument on this. People that are in favor of more violence. Anyone who's in favor of more violence. Like, I can't say that I haven't been involved in violence. You know, I've lost it and I've done stuff. Okay? Uh, it, it happens. But I want any, anybody to, that's like, okay, we want to see everybody get fucked over. 
mm-hmm. understand wanting to see somebody, especially when somebody says, hey, I'll beat the shit out of you. It's just in me to want to see, okay, we'll do it. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, that's been my answer to that my entire life. It's like, yo, I'll, I'll smack the shit out of you. Okay, we'll do it. Smack. But like, what I don't want is that, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, nigga, I'll smack. All right, do it. Go ahead. Smack. Let's see what, let's smack him. Let's see what's up. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? And what you don't want is kind of what happens on the internet now sometimes, which is people all day long that make threats and they don't ever do shit. It's like, there's this, there's an accountability. You just, you want somebody to be about what they say that they're about so that they can move on or they can either learn their lesson mm-hmm. or prove that who they, they are who they say they are. So mm-hmm. if you're the big bad wolf, you want to see somebody bite because the barking starts to get annoying and you start yeah. to think, God damn, you wouldn't say this in this person's face, whatever. But, so I get that. I understand there's a nigga part of me that wants to see niggas fight when they say they're going to fight. All right. But let's look at this situation like this. Florida is a state where you can have a gun, right? Takashi 69 did not have a gun on him. The reason why he probably did not have a gun on him is because he was inside the LA Fitness. What people don't understand about places like Georgia and Florida and these open carry states and Texas is the place that you're going inside of, they still have a right to tell you not to bring your gun inside. So just because it's an open carry place, as a private business or an establishment, you can tell people don't bring your gun in here. Right. right, And there are plenty of places, if you've been around Atlanta or if you've been places in Florida, that some of them even have a little gun with like a fucking Ghostbuster sign through it. Don't bring your gun in here. All right, cool. Let's say that he brings his gun because he's, he's scared of ops or whatever inside the, the, uh, the LA Fitness anyway. Niggas beat him up. He goes for the blicky. He starts letting, he starts letting, letting shots go. Because that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen is if he's in a situation where he feels like he's about to get packed out. He's not going to run a straight fade. He's going to pick up the gun up and he's going to start shooting the gun. He's inside of an LA fitness. Mm-hmm. He shoots somebody in the locker room. Mm. Not the people that he's yeah. aiming at. Or the bullet goes through the wall. Those places aren't made for... The bullet goes through the wall, hits somebody that's on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. Just know for everyone that wants to see more violence for whatever reason, that any time... You do that. There is a chance that things go wrong in a way that you can't come back from. A, a friend of mine, a great podcaster named Tax Stone, is in jail right now, and he's on trial. Tax Stone and the, another rapper who testified against him while you're talking about snitches, named Troy App, were going back and forth for the whole time that the tax season podcast was happening. You guys all know what happened. 2015, there is an altercation in Irving Plaza between these two guys. They run into each other. They had talked about what was going to happen. I'm not getting into who did what to whom and what happened. Free tax stone. I I believe that he is coming home and uh, I'm hoping and praying that he comes home. What I do know is somebody died that night and somebody else was shot. Mm. So, all of this be about what you say you're going to be about and do what you say you're going to do, there's a cost. Yeah. And sometimes it works. <laughs> and take it from me, nigga, sometimes you lose somebody. And it's happened before and I've lost people and it's tough. Shirley Ralph. 
Yeah, you sent this in the chat. I just I'm sent just this. Just not saying it. Shirley Ralph, sixty-six, royalty, royalty. Yes, uh, she was on the Way Up podcast with Angela Yee, and she revealed something. Rachel, Donnie, give me the audio. Yeah, yeah. I could tell you of another time. This was a famous TV judge, not Judge Mathis. I love him. He's a great man. Not him. Well, good because I love Judge Mathis yeah, too. I well, don't know him personally, I hate but to have a case uh, yeah. of Judge Mathis. No, no, no. He's <laughs> a great man. This was another one. I'm at a very public place. I have on. Let you see me. I was suited. I had my suit on. I was handling my business for the television show I was on at that time. He and I were on the same network. This man walked in, grabbed me by the back of my neck, turned me around, and rammed his nasty tongue down my throat. Oh my god! And everybody at the network saw it, and the ugh. The mayor of New Orleans at the time was, um, why am I blanking on his name? More Mark Morial. Mark Morial. I called Mark Morial. Mark Morial. He said, "You want me to send the police there right now? Because we will fix his, you know what, <laughs> right now." Somebody at the network tapped me on the shoulder. They said, "Please don't." Do you know that they did not want any? Bad press. Yeah, I can believe around it. Around their show. Yeah. And did not care what had just happened to me. It wasn't so bad after all. Was it? Rachel, your thoughts. Shirley Ralph. Um, listen, it shows I I'm not she didn't I don't think she says when this happened. Doesn't matter when it happened. It just shows that oh, between sometimes between ninety-four and two thousand two. First off, you just, when you introduced Shirley Ralph, you talked about how amazing she is. She's a legend. She's iconic in everything that she does. And the fact that this TV judge could walk in and, and the way that she describes it says, I'm sorry, I'll go ahead and assume this. This isn't the first time that he's done something like this because he was confident enough that he could come in, do this in front of a group of people and he would be completely untouched. I mean, it just, it's upsetting to hear Shirley Ralph talk about that because it just shows at a time when not just women weren't valued, but black women aren't valued. And not just by the network and everybody who was in that room, by, did she say it was a black judge? I'm, I'm assuming it was a black man, judge. Yeah, she didn't specify, did she, she? I don't think she specified. She said that it, wasn't uh, Judge Mathis. She said she said who it wasn't, but she didn't say who it was. I assume it was a black TV judge because I can't think of any white TV judges that were that were big at the time. I mean, I you, you got you got you got Ed Koch from the People's Court. You got um, Wapner who might have been on. I I, I don't okay, know. I mean, yeah, I'm white not TV as judges. familiar with these names. But, I mean, it okay, could be it a black. This, but yeah. it, it, the fact it was it was the fact he disrespected her as if she was treated her as if she was nothing in front of a room full of people, disrespectful, embarrassing, uh, because he could, and he knew he would get away with it, and he did. And I just think that, you know, I would hope that if that's, that situation wouldn't happen again, I would think that we've moved past it, but I think we still have a long way to go. And it's just such a shame that Lee Ralph couldn't speak out on it before. It's my understanding this is the first time that she said this, mm-hmm. that she felt like she couldn't. Because she felt, probably felt like she couldn't be protected 
because she probably felt like the thing is she was the one who was violated, but she would have been the one to suffer at the end of the day. He would have gone on and had his career and been completely untouched. And she would have been the one who was blacklisted, which is basically what that tap on the shoulder was for her. And it's, it's sad to me to hear that she went through that and that she just now feels comfortable enough or that she can discuss it. And even now, she still won't even say who it is. And I don't, and I think she has the right to. I don't think it's like inappropriate for her to say it happened to her. She has every right to speak on it the way that she wants to. But there's still this level of, but I'm not going to say everything. It's almost like there's still a fear to tell it all because of what could happen to her. And this is a woman who's, you know, We've always known her greatness, but right now she's having a moment where she's even crossing over to the other side. Why not name him? I think there's fear. I think that, you know, it could be, and this is again me assuming, I think that she could say, you know, I want to be respectful. He's He could be married. He could have children. He could be this. And I've, I've held it this long. At this point, there's no need to name him. Maybe that's what she's thinking. But personally, I think there is still a fear of what will happen to me. How will the public react to me? How will people judge me? How will a a network react to me? Could be the very network she still works for. We don't even know if I say that person's name. Because, you know, me, why? Forget just calling him out. Why are you not also calling out the networks? Which I guess if she calls the man's name out, then she will in essence be calling out the network too. So... Maybe there's that fear as well. But I think that's exactly why she's not doing that because still in 2023, somehow they will blame a woman. Somehow it'll be Cheryl Lee's fault, Cheryl Lee Ralph's fault for holding on to it this long and just now saying it. They will find a way to make her at fault for this. And I think that she knows that. And so she can tell her story, but she's still only allowed to tell part of it. So I receive and understand that I have absolutely zero um, zero understanding of what it's like to be in that position, right? Things have happened to me in life and I've been discriminated against, but it's really nothing like, like what a black lady goes through, right? It, it, I still get mad when they don't get named. And I'm probably looking at this from like a male perspective, but When will there be a time when, especially you think now, when it's just okay to, like, tell your story? Because in, in in this situation, it it probably makes her feel better to feel uh, to to tell the story and to, like to to discuss what's happened to her. And I'm I'm, I'm I, I imagine that that's probably something that she's held for a while. But like, there's like a like a predator. Like a, somebody that at the very least, at the very least needs to understand how shitty they made somebody feel in that moment. It, is there a conversation to be had about sort of um, when it's going to be okay when something like this has happened to somebody to just say this happened and that person did it? I thought that we had actually already pl- passed that threshold. Oh, no. Women, I'll take. I'll take it out of the black sector and use just a man and a woman, Brad Pitt and Angela Jolie. Angela Jolie has said certain things happen. Angela Jolie is hilarious. And that's probably somebody that 
works at a bank somewhere. Angelina Jolie is Angelina is Jolie. <laughs> <laughs> An- Angela, 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 Angela. Angela. I need you to work Maybe my. I'm thinking, do- of, oh, shout out I'm to thinking of whose podcast the Cheryl Lee Brown's on, but Angelina right. Jolie. Uh-huh. She has said certain things have happened had happened in her marriage with Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. The public gets mad at her. The public refuses to believe her. I'm not saying everybody, but for most of the talk around it is against Angelina and in favor of Brad. And that's, and that's current. That was happening in 2022. That, that type of conversation. We are past it. It's, they will always find a way to blame the women. The women tricked them. It was the woman, the woman was dressed in a provocative way. The woman asked for it. Why did the woman wait this long? Did it really happen? Or is the woman just asking for attention? There's always some sort of excuse. And it's so unfair because Cheryl Lee Ralph is, is coming out for the first time and holding on to a secret that she felt like she couldn't share. And she still can't share it for fear of how the public will react to it. That's why she's not naming it. What's the answer? And the name him is to name the network as well. What's what's the answer? I mean, self-preservation. And that's what she's doing. She's Hmm. telling her truth in a way that she hasn't before, which still is a huge step. But she's got to protect herself at the end of the day. And that is not naming him and naming a network that she knows at the end of the day, it'll all come back on her. So that's the that's the name. That's the uh, answer. Protect yourself. Tell you something right now. I personally think that this person will reveal themselves. No. Let me tell you. The ex-TV judge that's the maddest about this I got my sights on one person. The ex-TV judge that's the maddest about this is the person that did it. I think everybody will be quiet. But I do love that she was like, before y'all even go there, it's not Judge Mathis. Yeah, because it's <laughs> it, because if, if if you're Judge Mathis and that happens, you're like, God damn. Thank, thank you, because you didn't know, you know people kind of jump in there and see what it is. Judge Mathis, just, I love Judge Mathis. Judge Mathis is a great guy. I feel like there's a personality. And you, you're right, Donnie, it, it, it wasn't specified whether or not it was a black or white judge, right? So I'm looking at the list of judges that are here. It's a real good story if it was Judge Judy. Um, <laughs> I'm, like, I, I, I'm looking at this, the, the, the judges who are here. Wapner was gone by this point. And Koch was on the people's court. Uh, let me see. Koch was on the people's court. But then there's like reasons that Ed Koch probably wouldn't do that. Um, let's see here. Ed Koch was on the people's court. My damn, Ed, rest in peace, dog. You had a really fucking incredible career. His Wikipedia is long as hell. Uh, so 1997 to 1999, um, uh, Judge Wapner did a show called Judge Wapner's Animal Court. <laughs> uh, you know there's maybe a couple of reasons why you know if you know a lot about the life of Ed Koch where maybe he's not a great candidate for that but anyway um, it's interesting 
I, I feel like there's somebody I have in my sights, but uh, I yeah, I out think to her. we all yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is fun, which especially is not- which especially with coming out and saying, and just so you know, it's not uh, yeah. Judge Mathis. Yeah. I think that was also intentional. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Uh. I have bad news uh, to report, and it's it's directly related to something I just said before. Um, the gentleman I was talking about, Taxstone, uh, real name Daryl Campbell, has been convicted of manslaughter for the uh, shooting at Irvin Plaza in 2015. Uh, Taxstone is now uh, probably going to await sentencing. He's convicted of manslaughter in the first degree. It's a class B felony, one count of that. Assault in the first degree, that's a class B felony, two counts of that. Assault in the second degree, that's a class D felony, one count of criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, a class C felony, two counts. Um, I don't know how much all of that is going to add up to, but I do know that um, that's a situation to where uh, two gentlemen had a uh, disagreement, beef, whatever you want to call it, and they felt like there was no other way but uh, to get busy once they saw each other. Now, I have a clear understanding of what happened that night. Now, I don't think in any way that Tax was doing anything other than defending himself. But, you know, uh, remember, whenever there's violence of any kind, and I'm not talking like I'm Gandhi, there is the opportunity for lives to be ended and um, and forever changed. So whenever mm-hmm. you wish for something to happen violently, just take a just remember what you're wishing for. Yeah, you know, and that's not me being high on my horses, whatever. All right, my favorite artist in the world right now musically is Burner Boy. Do you like Burner Boy, Rachel? I do. I like Burner Boy. He's good. He's good. You know, I like Burner Boy. Uh, but you know. Some people got at Burner Boy a little bit. There's some backlash. Mm-hmm. Shaka Bars, shout out Shaka Bars. He, he posted a question. Why is it important that the diaspora come home? If you guys don't know who Shaka Bars is and you want to get on some of your Pan-Africanist shit, um, Shaka Bars is uh, somebody good to follow. Not for everybody. Okay? Shaka's going to have <laughs> some opinions that you guys are okay. <laughs> All right, not for everyone. You certainly don't agree with everything that Shaka says, but... Uh, he's well-read on things that have to do uh, with the continent and sort of some of the conversations that are had about the diaspora. But go at your own risk. And if you like something, you like it. If you don't, I probably don't either. Don't get out of my fucking face. <laughs> my shit. All right. Uh, Burna Boy responded that African-Americans are unaware of where their roots stem from in Africa. Donnie, give me the audio. So I'm here with a man himself, the African giant Burna Boy. And I want to ask you, why is it important that the diaspora come home? You know why the... Okay, let's use America for example, right? Because this, but we can use anywhere. Yeah, but let's just use America, right? Why do you think the Chinese American, yeah, has their respect? And they're not... They don't go through the things that African Americans go through. Like, you know, even though they might go through their struggles, I'm not taking anything away from them, but they don't go through what the African American goes through. 
know why? Because the Chinese American has a base. He know he actually knows where he's from in China. Right. And they have support from the Chinese government. You understand? Like the Italian American. They have Italy. They know where their grandparents came from in Italy before. They know the first person in their family to come to America to start that line that made them Italian American. They know. You understand what I'm saying? And same goes for everyone else except the African American. Um so Burner Boy uh cleared up on Tuesday. Um, he took to his Instagram story. He said, it's sad to see that in 2023, there are still such black people who would prefer we say divided and conquered. Maybe it's my accent or something, but I never said you are African and not Americans. I also did not say Africa is part of heaven. You all deserve the land and reparations you want from America. And I am in 100% support of that. All I've ever tried to do is make you understand that you have Africa, too, that loves you. And I believe that coming together as brothers and sisters is the only way forward for us black people worldwide. You work against the progress of our people if your goal is to keep us divided. Rachel. I don't understand what the big deal is. You don't understand what the big deal is. I mean, did you have a problem with what he said? Uh, Yeah, I did. Of course. I have a problem. I'm not mad at Burner Boy, but I have a problem with what he said. Well, okay, because what I didn't hear in here is what is something that's written in the rundown, which he said, um, oh, the no, no. The question was, why is it important to come home? The yeah. way I understood that was to just come to Africa to visit, to see it, to understand it to be with the people, to understand your culture, where you come from. That's how I took it. I Or is he saying, was the question like, you need to come home, like you need to live here? No, I think it's come home. I, I, Shaka Mars is very into reconnecting with the continent. So I yeah. think come home means the first thing that you were talking about. Then, so I guess I really, okay, then, then and that's how I interpreted it. Mm-hmm. So I guess I really don't have a problem with it if, all he's basically saying is like, yeah, I think it's important that they come home so they can connect and understand um, where they come from. I think it's important. I mean, I, one of the things, it would be a biggest re- regret of my life if I never make it to Africa. Like personally, I want, I want to go um, more than once. But if I never get to go in my lifetime, it'll be a huge regret of mine. So I guess I don't... To me, people seem to be exaggerating and taking it out of context. Um, so I didn't really have a huge problem with what he was saying. But you're saying you didn't like everything. Yeah, yeah I'm not mad at Burner Boy, uh, but well, no, he's your favorite, of course. You're he's right. my fave. My fave. <laughs> I love Burner Boy. Uh, I'm not mad at Burner Boy, but it. First of all, Africa is not my home. That's the first thing. My home is. Okay. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and my ancestors aren't that. So, okay, uh, I, there's, there's Home, roots, whatever. Well, Africa's so I, uh, okay, I, we're, oh, we're keep going. Sorry, so, so, I'm so, no, 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 it's all great. No, we're all from Africa. Okay, like Africa is the cradle of humanity, right? We're all from Africa. I am, uh, from Africa in the sense that I am African. That my, obviously, when you look at me, 
the the people that were transported across the Atlantic are from Africa, and those people are my ancestors, right? All right. My ancestors that came here went through hell and high water to build a culture here. Absolutely. And for better or worse, my culture is their culture. Now, that does not mean that I don't see myself as, as part of the diaspora. And that does not mean that I don't see myself as someone whose spirit um, and whose lineage comes from Africa. But my home is Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Gardeer, to be exact. That's my home. Okay? okay. That's important. And the reason why that's important is because if we're trying to forge a connection, then the first thing we have to do is learn about everybody's different experience. Burner Boy's problem, uh, the problem with what he said, should I, should I say, is that he made all types of sort of, um, he came to all kinds of conclusions about African-American, Black American culture when it's obvious that he really doesn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And that's something that in this type of way only happens to Black Americans, in my opinion. Okay. In my opinion. All right. This is why the Black Americans don't have the same thing. This is why Black Americans don't have this. This is why Black Americans don't have that. This is why the Chinese American is this way. This is why the Italian American is this way. Uh, there's a familiarity that people feel about the Black American uh, struggle, life, or existence that they feel like gives them the opportunity to weigh in on who we are and why we are what we are. Right? If I was, if I were to ask somebody walking down the street that's black right now, tell me about the the Yoruba. Tell me mm-hmm. about the Igbo. Tell me about the Rivers Tribe. Tell me about anything else that's going on in Nigeria or the life of a Nigerian as it relates to their place in Africa, their place in West Africa, or anything else like that. They probably couldn't do it because they don't feel like they have the authority to speak on tribal ethnic differences, wars that may have happened, how the, the borders there were drawn, and specifically what those people want need or should be able to expect. But because people watch um, uh, like uh, uh, consume American art, they watch American TV, they listen to songs, might have even cracked a couple of books, they feel like they get why <laughs> the difference between us and Chinese Americans. They feel like they get the difference between us and Italian Americans. Burner Boy left so much out I mean, there's so, there's so many reasons why an immigrant class that voluntarily immigrated from a place to another place is different than people that were brought there in bondage and slavery. If there is something to be gained from us having a deeper, more concrete relationship with the continent, be it Ghana, be it Sierra Leone, uh, be it Nigeria, be it Kenya, be it any of those places that, you know, we might be from, that needs to be discussed. That information needs to be synthesized and we need to decide that together. Sure. But like to vaguely say you're struggling because you don't know 
where you come from is like you a night. Well, did you say you're struggling? Not okay, Donnie, run it back real quick. So I don't put words. And, 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 and wait, before you do, this is the, and this is you said something very key, which is why I think we we see it different. You you said he didn't. You said something like he didn't even say all that. And the thing is, is he was so vague in what he said. It was so general that I took it super general. I didn't infer anything. I didn't. I was just like, okay, he's saying you know, come back home or to your roots or whatever it may be. Like, this is the where you were, like, I, I guess I was just like, okay, he's just making a very general comment. I didn't put in anything else into it. I understand how you can, but I took it for that, which is why when he went through and explained it back on Instagram and he said, I never said you're not African. I never said anything like that. I think that, I really think he made a general comment that really, is more layered than that. And that's why people are having taken different interpretation of it. I took it as super general, but I but I totally understand how you heard it as well and why it's the issue for you. But for me, I was like... So let's run the clip one more time to make sure I'm not tripping. Okay. Donnie, play, play it again. Okay, let's use America. Because this, but we can use it anyway. Yeah, but let's just use America, right? Why do you think the... Chinese American, yeah, has their respect, and they're not, they don't go through the things that African Americans go through. You know, even though they might go through their struggles, I'm not taking anything away from them, but they don't go through what the African American goes through. You know why? Because the Chinese American has a base. He, know, he actually knows where he's from in China. Right. So stop it right there. Okay. So. Burner Boy is not trying to be disrespectful, but there's there's problems in the statement because um why do you think that the the there's some struggles? What he said that the Chinese American has their respect, or this other American group of people has their respect. And it's because they have a base, they know where they're from, they know all of this. So <laughs> that's just not why that's the case. Okay. That is true. Okay. I agree. And so, and so that's, so if there's a conversation about how us reattaching uh, to Africa or coming back to where we're from, where our mm-hmm. ancestors are from, where we are, uh, the, the genesis of us, mm-hmm. if there's, if that's going to do something for us as black people, if that's going to do something for Africa, then uh, for, for not Africa as a whole, the continent as a whole, but to the places, Nigeria, Ghana, wherever we're talking about, right? Then we need to forge that together, right? We need to we need to decide how that's going to benefit us. We need to decide if there are ideas to be shared. We need to decide whether or not there is um, economic sort of uh, uh, ascension to be shared. We need to decide that. That has to be something that we decide together. We'd have to decide it as purposefully as we were ripped apart from one another. Okay, we have we have to decide that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's a even though he didn't try to do it, there's a value judgment there, and the judgment is that if we knew where we came from, that we would be doing better in America. Now, we used to think that hey, let's take it back to. I mean, Rachel, that's what was said. What was said is that the Chinese person has a base; they have a base of power; they understand where they come from. Well, they have a base because they made the decision to come over here. 
And like Shaka inserted into that situation, when they came over here, they were incentivized by parts of their government in large parts to do so. The Italian part and all of that other stuff, I'm not even going to talk about that because they're people white. So it's <laughs> obviously a completely different situation. The only thing that I'm saying is what I would like to do, what I would like to do, what I should be what helpful to do is when people talk about us as black Americans, that they don't talk about us as if they know everything that we go through and they don't have conversations that are so vague and unspecific that they introduce this type of scrutiny and discourse, which is what happened. And it's a good thing to talk about it, even if we don't have to string up Burner Boy or, or set Burner Boy on fire. It's a good thing to talk about, right? Because it's a good thing to set boundaries about how you want to be talked about. And the way I want to be talked about is I want people to understand that our experience over here wasn't like their experience. They dealt with their own shit. They dealt with this sure. very specific colonialism. They dealt with very specific interference from foreign governments in Europe. It's different. And I wouldn't tell a Nigerian about why Nigeria might have some of the issues that they have or why certain people over there wouldn't have the issues that they have. And and so, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be too, you know, going, you know, rambling a little bit, but it was just weird. Was I would just, say it was weird. It was weird. And I think he got lost in some of what he was saying. But I see it deeper. I took it very general. And that's why I was like, whatever. Yeah, I look. But I get you. I got you. No more diaspora wars. But, hey, relax. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, uh, it's mailbag time. Mailback time, time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailback time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. All right. First one is from White Heart Lane Fan. They ask, when can we expect Rachel to appear on The Midnight Boys? Van. Uh, when we cover like how still the guy was back or something like that. When we I'm sorry, I could have been on for Ant Man. You're gonna be on for Ant Man. I gave you a whole segment to allow me to come on. I'm not trying to get in there and act like I'm one of the Midnight Boys. Remember we talked about the whole virgin look or virgin eyes or whatever it was when Donnie, you remember this? Virgin yeah, eyes. Yeah, no, What happened? Thank you. Where I talked about how as a first timer, I'm coming in. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yes, I, I created a whole segment for me to be able to fit in. Okay, look, I, I, I have no problem with you coming on the Midnight well, Boys. Well, what's coming up next? What are we covering next? I'm not we're doing a series. I'm not doing we're Mandalorian. covering the Mandalorian, but you know what? You know what, you know what we're doing next? Actually, I, I did the interviews for the Mandalorian, so I know a little bit more than you think. You might. I'm interested in it. We'll, we're going to do a home and home. I'm going to come on. I'm going to come on morally corrupt because here's the thing. We should do that. You know, you, you, you act as if I'm super hard on you because of uh, your opinions, but I gave literally one opinion on The Real Housewives and I was excoriating. <laughs> I, I, I got, more, I, I got, I was punished. You know what I, I mean? don't, Give opinions on Marvel. I, I, I thought it was such a good opinions. movie. I, I, I know. 
I don't get opinions, but what I'm saying is that for me uh, and you, when we come on these platforms with each other, just take it easy on each other. People have been getting at me about my list. I stick by my list. When am I coming on Morally Corrupt to talk about my list? Potomac is over, but we, I mean, we record tomorrow at seven in the morning if you want to come. Nah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, whenever the next big Marvel movie comes out, you should let me come on. Because the series is a lot. A series is a lot. Yeah, Kalika been on it. She gets your Kalika your knows way more than me. Oh, I to do the Batman. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I have no problem with that. They would love that. They would love that. Everybody loves you. All right, next. All right, next one is from Ron Wees. He asks, in honor of Van's collection of basketballs for each different kind of run, what is Van's all-time favorite shoe to hoop in and why? Curious if Rachel Ooh. has one from when she hooped in high school. Rach? I had two. Well, first off, before I played basketball, I had the Shaquille O'Neal's. Remember the ones where you could pump it? Remember mm-hmm. they had the little pump? But I wasn't playing then. When I played, I was big, big Allen Iverson fan. So I had the answer I think three. They right. answer three. Remember those? Yeah. And then I also had the Cheryl Swoops. Mm. I don't remember the name, but they had the, like the squiggly all the way up. Like it was like a like a squ- squiggly lines on both sides. Yeah. Uh, growing up, I played in the Jumpmans, the Kevin Garnett joints. Um, there were a lot of good basketball shoes, but the best basketball shoe of all time to me is the Kobe 6. It's not even close. It, the 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 Kobe's that kind of run. I mean, it was it was still dope when they put the little thing in there, like the little. Um, it's like they had like a little fabric there, like the, like ankle support, little extra ankle support after he hurt his uh, after he tore his Achilles or whatever. But th- that run of Kobe basketball shoes, you felt like you were playing in your socks, like you. They were so light. They mm-hmm. were when you when you broke them in. They they move so easy. They held their structure, but yet you feel like you were running on clouds. They were fantastic, and they were low tops. And and, and they were low tops. They were, oh yeah, those Kobe's were low tops. Man, I had I I, I was playing so much ball. Mm-hmm. I had when I when I bought them, I bought maybe like four pair, and I was running through them. Those were by far the best basketball shoe huh? to me. I, the best basketball shoe I've ever played in in life. Those Kobe's rest in peace, being all right. What else? All right, last one from Daniela Ella asks, What does your self care look like when you're having a bad day? Do you have any tried and true methods that work well for you on those days? Bam. Uh, I mean, I like to take a walk, you know, I like to take a walk, get outside, you know, look around. Um, I have to like, cuddle with Bozeman, it's very good, like Bozeman. He'll look at me. He'll be like, you all right, Dad? He's like, not really. Like, hey. Tap the bed. He jumps up on the bed. Cuddle with the boy. Go to sleep. Everything feels better when I wake up. Bozeman's my boy. Um, so, Love yeah, our dogs. Know, yeah, just like stuff like that. Like, uh, And weirdly enough, like watching the sun go down helps me relax in the evenings. Where do you go to watch the sun go down? You uh, like a specific you spot or you could do it from home? You don't necessarily have to watch the sun go down. 
you just have to watch. You have to just almost like feel the sun fade. I'm not actually watching the sun. So let me correct oh, that. Okay. You just have to like feel things like being outside at that time in the evening where day is turning into night is very, is very helpful for me. Interesting. Um, for me, it's a bath. Uh, I love a hot bath. Turn the lights off, light a candle, have a glass of wine, and usually put on a Bravo show. Okay. And that is just like completely, it's like detox for me. Also, a little bit of comfort food sometimes. Yeah. And that big, would be Wingstop. Big hunk of, uh, of pork. No, it is Wingstop. I'm like, you know what, Rach? You had a bad day. I'm going to go ahead and order the Wingstop. Get that Wingstop. Let me ask you this. After you take a bath, do you take a shower? No. I'm not that dirty. So what you're saying is that you take a bath and then no shower after. You just been in your own filth for so, amount of time. Your this butthole, is, but this is the way I stuff, take and it's like, but this but this is the way I take a bath. I soak in the bath first. I'm not mm-hmm. bathing. I'm just in a bubble bath and I'm chilling. When I decide to bathe myself, I bathe myself out of the tub, rinse off, and then get out. I'm not laying all back still in the tub after I bathed in it. So what do you mean? Like explain this process. By the time I'm bathing myself, I'm getting out. I'm about to get out. So I, I'm in the tub to relax. You know, Mm -hmm. like I put like, you know, all these, I have a whole concoction of stuff that I put in and I'm just soaking. I'm just laying there. Then when I decide to bathe, I like put the soap on the washcloth. I stand up outside of the tub and I bathe myself. Right. And then when I'm done, I take the cloth and I'm like rinsing myself off. I don't lay back in and soak. Yeah. You like, probably I, say my water's dirty, but I just don't. I still, I like, I mean, I there's, like, no, there's no I doubt like about the fact that the water's dirty. No, water's I'm just rinsing dirty. my, no, I'm just rinsing myself off. If I took a bath and then I just soaked in the water, maybe, but whatever. I'm, I'm trying saying. to, so I, I I decided I was going to take a bath <clears throat> maybe like, I don't know, two weeks ago. And it was, this was my first bath in the new casing that I'm in because I haven't taken a bath since I've been a big guy in a long time, right? Okay. So I decided, it's okay to laugh, Rachel. You know, No, I'm laughing at the term casing. Okay. <laughs> so it's okay to laugh. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a bath. I've been in hot tubs and stuff like that, but I haven't gotten a bath. I used to get in the bath every once in a while. and you know, I couldn't really get comfortable in the bath because, you know, things are spilling all over. It's like the the the, the stomach is trying to decide whether or not it's going to go left, whether or not it's going to go right. And I'm in there. And you know what? It's my thighs. The thighs were touching the edges of the bathtub. It was like the bathtub was thigh to thigh. And, and it was it was like the bottom. My thighs could cover the whole thing up. Right. And so I'm down there. And there was just no way for me to get clean because I didn't even have the movability to like move around. And I'm in the, I'm pulling stuff. You know, I, I tweaked my ab, like trying okay, to get to different man. spots. Okay. I did. Trying to get to what? Have a nigga six foot four, 290 that, pounds, try to get inside of a tub that's like in a regular joint. It's not easy. Well, that, I, was, I mean, you. Sorry, 
I'm just, you I, I, set I, yourself I, up for failure. How? Brian does right. You just described oh, your height and Brian. everything, and you got into no. you got into a regular tub. We we I don't know what you would call it. It's it's bigger than regular size, but Brian won't get in the tub either. He's too tall, and he would fit in it. He's you too tall. Understand. Like it's got to be perfectly proportioned. You're right. You can't have your thighs touching the the tub. You've got to be able to like yeah, thighs. like you just got to be able to touch move it. around. It's length and it's width. Do you so know I the difference between Brian and I getting in a tub? I'm just saying Brian, because of this, his height, won't take a bath either. This is the difference. This is the difference. The tub. When Brian's about to get in the tub, you know, Brian's in there. He comes in. He's got his ascot on. He takes the ascot off. He's on the house. He takes off his silk robe. When, when Brian takes his shit off the tub, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. This is about to be amazing. Look at this. Look at this motherfucker. This motherfucker about to get in the tub. We can't wait. We can't wait for this motherfucker to get in this goddamn tub. I can't wait. Look at look at this goddamn calves. Some calves about to be on us, baby. We can't wait for him to get in the tub, right? Brian gets in the tub. The tub makes itself all ready for Brian. All right. Difference between me is I'm in there. I come in there. You know what I'm saying? I got no jumper playing on my phone, and you know I take my shit off. The tub is like. I know this big motherfucker not about to try to get this nigga. Nah, it starts making itself slippery. You know what I'm saying? I know this motherfucker not about to try to get in this motherfucking tub. I hope the lights go out. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, <laughs> Stop. <laughs> you know I'm not going to let you do this you know, to yourself. You know what I'm saying? Enough. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I hope the power goes out this bitch so this Daddy, motherfucker got to mute him. I'm not so, going to no, it's, it's different. Do don't yourself. compare me getting in the tub. To I'm Brian not comparing you. I'm just saying the height is an issue as well. But listen, I I encourage you to get back in the tub. It really is nah, a beautiful. I heard point. I fucking tweak. I tweak my shit the last time. <laughs> I tweak my ab. I bang my knee. It's not happening. Okay. Anyway, uh, uh, Rachel, we have Ulta Beauty stuff to do. This episode is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. There's nothing like a spring refresh, especially when it comes to expressing yourself. And this season, I'm going full reset from the inside out. So one of the things that I have promised to myself is that I'm going to prioritize me. And that includes just having a routine every day. That means waking up in the morning, not looking at my phone as the first thing that I do, and just sitting there meditating and working on my breathing. Did somebody say something? No, I'm agreeing. I'm going, mm. I was like, oh, yes. okay. And also, what's an internal refresh without a new makeup routine to match? So also for me this season, I'm all about supporting Black Beauty and leaning into the amazing products that they make. So I've been hitting up Ulta Beauty for a few of my new faves. Okay, so the first item I got to tell you all about, Beauty Stat. I've been a fan of Beauty Stat for a long time, but I've never used their Universal Pro Bio Moisture Boost Cream. I love this because sometimes with moisturizer, it can be just a little too heavy, but this is really light and it's packed full of probiotics to just revitalize that dull, dehydrated skin. My skin gets really dehydrated out here in LA. I'm just not used to the environment. And it provides that hydration for 24 hours. Also, what I want you guys to get into that I'm into right now is Juvia's Place. It's their Warrior Eyeshadow Palette. Now, I like to change up my eyeshadow. Sometimes I like to make it light. You know, when I'm on TV, 
um, just to make it daytime, a daytime look. But then at night, I like to change it up. I like to make it more bold and sultry. And this palette gives you every single thing that you're looking for. So refresh the season and head to your local Ulta Beauty store or visit UltaBeauty.com. All right. Uh, before we go, sad news from the world of celebrity relationships. It looks like Damson and Lori broke up. I saw that. And said they only been together for three months. Really thought they'd been together longer. Mm. It's like Damson and Lori broke up. And look, it's the way it happens. Okay. Kids what do you love. Mean it's the way it happens. I mean, that's what kids, I was about to say, kids love, kids move on. Why? Kids? And Damson in his 30s? Is he? Hold on. Let me see. Let's, like, let's see. Damson is, I didn't think he was in his 30s. Uh, yeah, 31. 31. Okay. I mean, yeah, 31. Lori is... So what are you saying? No, that... you were just like these kids. And I'm like, they're not really kids. I mean, they're young She's 26, adults. he's 31. Like, yeah, she's 26, she's 31. But I'm saying it's, it's like... It's it not ended big... a lot quicker than I thought. Well, all, they all end for... for she, You know, for Damson, Lori, they, they haven't... They've been with people before. He was with Saweetie for a hot second or something like he that. He was? Something, wasn't he? I don't fucking care. I don't know. Good for them. I don't Move know. on. They they look great. They'll be good. I don't give a fuck. Rachel, what's your uh, unexpected ally of the week? I don't have one. <laughs> Do you have one? Uh, no. My unexpected ally of the week is, in fact, Keanu Reeves. Um, he might be an expected ally to some of you guys, but uh, Keanu Reeves is a great guy. I'm not even going to tell you guys why he's my unexpected ally of the week, but Keanu Reeves did something amazing. And it's a fact. And John Wick is coming out. And I hope that all the good things that are supposed to happen to Keanu Reeves happen to Keanu Reeves. Why would you not tell us what he did? Because it's not for me to tell. Oh, he did something? Okay. Oh, there there it is. It's not for me to tell. Insider information. Okay. Don't, don't, hey, look. Don't take the caps off and do not stop learning. I'm Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel and Lindsay. I guess. Oh my God. <laughs> You're sick. <laughs> <laughs>